pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater. Hi, I'm Father Andrew Miller. And I'm Reverend Michelle Byerly. And this is A Pastor and Priest Walk Into a Movie Theater, a podcast about faith, life, and the silver screen. Today we'll be discussing the 2007 comedy film Juno. For those of you who have not seen it, we highly recommend you do as we'll be getting into spoilers. But in general, the story is about a high school young woman who ends up pregnant and the experience of that, her coming of age and exploring of identity. If I remember correctly, it won some Academy Awards for its year. That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure, but a, a quick trip to Wikipedia would answer that one. And it's a shame because I've seen that film a dozen times and uh, it's one of my favorites. So, And what's amazing is this was my first time having having seen it. So um, kind of a, a new experience for me. I'd certainly heard a lot about it, but it was nominated for Best Picture and it won Best Original Screenplay. It's a charming film. It really is. And it, it's it's fun and it's lighthearted and yet very dark at the same time. And the music is good. And it, it explores, I think, some very, very deep themes. And oddly enough, my wife and I were, were both in love with this film while we were falling in love. Well, actually, we had been in love for a while. Uh, but for instance, uh, um, the day we were married, I watched this film before the wedding. Aww. And uh, the song, you're a part-time lover and a full-time friend. The monkey on your back is latest trend. I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else is our song. Aww. So what themes would you like to explore? For me, one of the big themes that came was this notion of what is parenthood, specifically motherhood, but parenthood generally, because you have Juno who becomes a mother by carrying this child, but she also feels she's not able to raise the child. And so first she explores the possibility of abortion, but can't go through with it. And so then her next option is to look for a couple to adopt. Yeah, the relationship between Juno and the baby is very interesting. Well, at first she wants to obtain an abortion. It's not entirely clear, I think, why she decides she can't have an abortion. She talks about the oddity of the office in which <laughs> she would have had the abortion. But I, I don't think it really unpacks exactly why she, she decides that she doesn't want to have an abortion, other than the fact that, well, the movie would end right then and there. What I find so interesting is, is that, you know, there's a line in the film after the baby is delivered in which she says it doesn't feel like ours she means both hers and Polly Bleeker's mm -hmm. uh, and it was always Vanessa's right which which says something about the dynamics of motherhood vis-a-vis -vis, like Vanessa is the child's real mother even though she didn't carry it term which also speaks very uh, says something very interesting about the uh, uh, notion that Vanessa is a mother in spite of the fact that she cannot be a biological mother because of, of reasons mm -hmm. but the other thing is is that it's very very clear that Juno cares very deeply for the child right from the very get-go that she doesn't just want to give it to just anyone she wants to give the child to someone who will take care of it him and I, I wonder if the reason why she couldn't obtain an abortion was because in some sense she felt that she loved the fetus well and and to be fair i do kind of wonder if a little bit of su chin got to her on the way in maybe part of what happens as she goes to this clinic is that she meets a classmate of hers presumably because they have conversation they recognize each other and her name is Su Chin and she's carrying in a, a poster and I forget now what the poster said but um her chant is the funniest all <laughs> babies want to get born yeah you know and babies have fingernails and <laughs> that's great <laughs> fingernails really and so but what I like about that moment there is a sense of human connection between the two of them. I mean, it, it feels like they're playing their roles, but they're still coming as all of who they are, too. The National Review, uh, which is a right-wing uh, magazine, boo, did a, a list of the top, I don't remember if it was 25 or 50, 25 conservative movies ever made. And Juno actually made the list. They thought this was a conservative <laughs> movie, which it was anything but conservative. I, I, where I'm going with this is, is I wonder if perhaps one of the conservative moments, if you will, in the film is that what Su Chin does for Juno is humanizes the fetus. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if that's why at the end of the day, Juno couldn't go through with it and why Juno decided at that moment that she loved the fetus uh, or that she loved the child, even though the child was not yeah. to be her son. The other the other part of that is, is conservatives are so often very into closed adoptions because of their beliefs that the child should have one mother and one father. Oh, by the way, the movie doesn't actually honor that paradigm at all because Mark walks out. But they end up going through a closed adoption, Juno doesn't want to have anything to do with the child and so a lot of conservative critics have praised that but uh, my point is is in all of this is that there is a sense in which Puno has this relationship with the baby or the fetus the whatever in which it is a baby a fetus for her and she wants what's best for it and I wonder if there really is something to the conservative assertion that well Su Jin really the anti-abortion activist really does do that for her humanizes her fetus and basically makes it so she can't go through with it and then back to this theme of like motherhood in general one of my favorite lines towards the end that comes from the magnificent allison janney who's the um, best actress in the whole book um yeah so vanessa the mother who is ultimately going to adopt is holding the baby and she asks allison janney's character how do how do i look like a, like a true mother scared shitless yes that's that's a great line and and what what you were mentioning in our conversation the gift that and 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 to Vanessa's great credit she is through the course of the film very conscious of the gift that Juno is giving to her because Vanessa is very sure that she wants to be a mother and I think she's right she wants to be a mother that's not Mm -hmm. something that she thinks she wants but in fact doesn't want no she she needs she she's meant to be a mother and I think that the Mm -hmm. scene where she's playing with the children in the indoor playground demonstrates yeah but and you mentioned the gift that Juno gives to her and we got into kind of a discussion of um, Juno as a kind of representation of the Blessed Virgin and of course Bleecker as a representation of Saint Joseph there is a kind of parallel there in that well Juno does kind of say yes to the pregnancy and much the same way as St. Mary says yes to the angel. And I read the yes, Mary's yes, as not an excited, exuberant yes, but as a sort of an exasperated yes, because she knows that this is not going to be an easy journey. So she says, all right, let it be. In just like St. Joseph is, with the exception of a little bit of the Gospel of Matthew, is kind of out of the picture. Um, Polly Bleeker is kind of out of the picture, like sort of the stepdad who just, you know, is kind of there and loves the child, loves Juno in the same way that Joseph is often depicted as loving Mary, but isn't really sure what to make of all of this and isn't really sure what to do about the fact that he's God's stepdad or in the way that Bleeker isn't really sure about what to do about the fact that, well, he's the biological father of a child that he'll probably never see. And he loves this, the woman who gave birth to him, and, but he, he doesn't, and he, he wants to be involved in her life, but he doesn't really know what to do. Well, and it's interesting, you know, I was thinking about, does he have any rights to this child if he were to want them? He may not want to pursue that because then, then he's on the hook for child support and things like that. Again, it's this theme of family gets so kind of interesting and and even in Juno's own family you know we learn fairly early on that her mother basically abandoned her Mm. which I think shapes her desire to make sure that this baby is placed in good hands and and then she has a stepmother who they seem to get along pretty well they you know her stepmom can kind of razz her but it's at the end of the day she still cares for her she still makes sure that she has what she needs and she stands up for her and oh by the way Wesley and uh, Gail, she's a Unitarian Universalist. The film says that. Anyway, uh, no, uh, it, it, you're right. And and to me, the, the film is in part about choice, which is why I absolutely reject the notion that it is a conservative film, because it's about choice. And yes, Juno makes the choice that conservatives would celebrate, but ultimately it, the emphasis is on the fact that she makes the choice. But what I was going to say is, is that parenthood is also a choice, a planned parenthood, a chosen parenthood. Uh, but parenthood is a choice, right? And Juno chooses, even though she he, she cares about this fetus as another human being, she chooses not to be her its parent. She chooses to determine for herself that this this child is not my child. And so does Bleeker, by the way. Because Bleeker, you, you mentioned, and we can get into the ethical discussion about does Bleeker have any rights to the child? That's a very good ethical question. On the other hand, Bleeker, the character, 
decides not to pursue them even if he does like he he decides to just kind of let things in fact he says it to juno in one of the early scenes just do what you think is best and parenthood is chosen right so juno's mother abandons her and the only thing she ever does for her is sends her uh, a cactus which she doesn't really care about right bren is a mother to juno and their relationship is probably like any stereotypical uh teenage daughter older lady mother somewhat antagonistic somewhat supportive right and of course bren is very mm-hmm. Supportive for Juno. Uh, she's the one in the delivery room, and that's very significant mm-hmm. um, because not just anyone gets to go into the delivery room when a woman right. is giving birth. She's the one in the delivery room, not her father, as she's giving birth. And you know, she's the one who says, "We're going to get you healthy." She's she's very active and very involved. She's a mother to Juno, and and the same sense, the the one who is the mother to the baby is the one who chooses to be the mother to the baby. In other words, Vanessa. So parenthood is chosen. Absolutely, it's not biological. And you know, Vanessa carries the baggage. Um, it's kind of implied that maybe they've tried and haven't been able to conceive i kind of wonder how much of that's actually more to do with mark and his his readiness or not to be a parent you know and so i wonder how much that plays into it too one wonders Um, about their sex life yeah are they having sex because at the end of the yeah yeah i i I, my initial thought was until you actually until you said what you just said was that she can't have a child that that Mm -hmm. she's biologically incapable of having a child well actually yeah i wonder if it's actually mark if he doesn't want to have sex because Mm -hmm. mark doesn't want to have a child and his relationship with juno is a fascinating one Mm. Because in some ways, he is almost kind of a paternal figure, and yet not. Um, There's something very wonky about that relationship. You know, it's not a healthy one for sure. I would describe it as they're having an affair. Yeah. First off, Mark, for the listener, Mark is is Vanessa's husband. He's he's going Mm -hmm. to be the dad of Juno's baby. But I would just, even though they don't have sex, I would just say they're having an affair. That's, they are an emotional affair. You know, they, he is meeting needs through her rather than through conversation with his wife and vice versa juno yeah. is 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 having her needs met by mark and and i think it's because mark at the end of the day is juno it, it, as if juno had never grown up right mm-hmm. he's he juno is very wise uh but but mark is really just a teenager at heart who never grew up so as a result juno calls him back to his childhood to where he wants to be which is essentially to try and be a rock star live in a loft and be a dude and unfortunately he finds himself living he, he put it this way I'm, I'm living in a basement this isn't what I want to do this isn't where I want to be he's living like a yuppie he didn't want to be a yuppie and you know even that is it's a point of pain for them but ultimately Vanessa says okay if that's where you're at good on you good god bless <laughs> that that gets into the theme of judgment which is so mm. pregnant in the film because and I love mm. that 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 art one of my favorite scenes in the film is the argument between Vanessa and Juno and Mark when uh, it finally comes out that Mark wants a divorce and that that he does not want to be a father and and, and that and, and you know Juno storms off and that sort of thing. But w- what I love about that scene is is that in my view every single one of those characters is right and every single one of those characters is wrong. There yeah. is no basis on which the audience can really judge them and and if the audience tries to judge them i think they've missed the point of the movie because one of the biggest points of the movie is that we judge when we should not i mean everybody judges juno when they really shouldn't everybody shames juno why, why would we shame juno it makes sense why is why is getting pregnant so shameful but but what my point is is that all right so mark doesn't want to live a yuppie lifestyle there's no reason why he should have to I mean, he's he's right to stand up for himself and to leave. That that's perfectly acceptable. And Juno's angry at him because he wants him and Vanessa to come and take care of this. Well, it's not their responsibility to come and take care of this for her. I mean, they're graciously doing it for her, but they, they don't have to. And, and, and Vanessa's perfectly right because Vanessa wants to be a mother. That's what she's called to do. And Juno's right because Juno knows that she's not ready to be a mother. So all of these, these, these this, this three-way argument it's, is between people who, whose positions are in incompatible with each other so naturally they're going to conflict with each other and yet at the same time none of them have the moral high ground and i find that fascinating because there's such a knee-jerk 
need for me and for I think many of us to to assign judgment to say who to, mm-hmm. to, to look at a conflict and, and and assess like who's right who's wrong who has the moral high ground and I, in this conflict none of them do yeah, they're all it's right just things happen and I and I like how ultimately that gets resolved with Juno leaving a note that we don't see what it says until the end but she leaves it and he picks it up and Vanessa just takes it right out of his hand and says that's mine how did she know great question that's a, to me that's a beautiful moment in the film how does she know it's hers or how does she know it's for me yeah, but I, I she think, does. <laughs> I think the mystery of that moment of her knowing is there's a kind of faith there, and I think that that that's mm-hmm. part of the beauty of the film. And and what's so that that's not that 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 scene is so stupid in a good way because he's like it must be one of her medical bills. It's a Jiffy Lube bill. You can see the you can yeah. see the Jiffy Lube logo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's totally it's obviously not, and 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 yet Vanessa out of a sense of faith. Um, knows that it's for her and the, the and by the end of the film you see what the message is I'm still in if you're in and 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 that's that's another part that led us to thinking of, of Juno as a virgin mother because, and 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 this also leads into questions about virginity and sex because I, I don't think those words mean what we think they mean to mm-hmm. but yeah well the, I love that Juno says to Bleaker, I have your virginity yes because we don't talk about male virginity yes we don't well, we don't talk about that and you know and and i'm i'm very much in the in the camp that virginity is a construct that we've placed amen. way too damn much emphasis on in our culture yes and 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 i think juno is likened unto the virgin mary in the sense that she says yes to a very difficult situation mm-hmm. um i imagine god will bless you. your miracle yeah well Suchin no exactly even says. which <laughs> at the end of the day I, I i i if somebody said that to me in a difficult situation i might want to give them the bird but <laughs> uh but no she says yes to a very difficult situation as does mary and i i get the impression that mary's yes is a lot more reluctant than catholic tradition has often portrayed it as being but beyond that her yes is also a, a life-giving yes it gives the gift of life pooping life to vanessa who desperately wants it and you mentioned this juno is a great gift giver to both vanessa and mark uh, she she gives mark the freedom to leave the freedom to go out and discover mm-hmm. what he wants in life because he doesn't want what he has and she gives to Vanessa what, what she needs the, to love and care for a child. And there's a great beauty in that. Most holy Theotokos intercede for us. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So we could talk about Juno, her name. So even the name Juno, I, I was really hoping that we would hear where she got her name from because Juno is the Roman name for Hera, mm-hmm. um, which is zeus or jupiter's wife and it says something about like she's the only wife i think that zeus has even though he like sleeps all around the justly vengeful wife uh Mm -hmm. because she's cheated on the one Mm -hmm. who is essentially unloved or i think zeus likes or loves juno but or excuse me hera but zeus well boys got to be boys right that, at least that's how i read and that's bullshit by the way but that's how i read Zeus's character yeah hera juno strikes me as a kind of anti-hera honestly uh the, the character juno does because uh hera is um, well the kind of stereotypical cheated on wife who takes vengeance on all in all the wrong places and i say stereotypical because it's a bad stereotype right i mean uh it's a very dehumanized uh image of 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 women in that position but uh you know juno is 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 constantly cheated upon by zeus and her response instead of i mean she i i take it she's very angry at zeus but rather than you know taking vengeance on zeus because well, of course he's the king of the gods she can't do that um she takes vengeance on all of the the women that he coerces into sleeping with him or rapes you know the, the mm-hmm. people who who it isn't their fault she judges them 
And Juno mm-hmm. is someone who, I, Juno McGuff, that is, is someone who really knows herself very well uh, for a teenager. And well, I, I, I don't see a lot of misplaced rage in Juno. No, she, I mean, yeah, there's sometimes where she expresses frustration about things, but not nearly to that extent. Even her boyfriend is an anti-Zeus, right? Because one of my favorite lines about her boyfriend is what her father, J.K. Simmons' character, says about him. Uh, Who's the father? Polly Bleeker? Polly Bleeker? I didn't even know he had it in him. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah, everyone kind of sees him as like, I mean, and he's kind of played as this not typically masculine, uh, buff testosterone kind of guy. He's also he's- one who I, I very seriously doubt would uh, ever cheat on Juno. I think he's a very loyal person. And and it's interesting. Juno is very much the stronger of the two characters, I would say. You know, she's the one who very much initiated things. Wasn't his idea. <laughs> no. Right. Well, and, 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 you know, to be, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that this was right, but there is definitely a question of, was he strong enough to have the freedom to say no? Well, he does say, I, I think he, I think he says yes. I think it, the, okay. the, the sex is very consensual. And because mm-hmm. uh, there's a line in there where uh, she says, I know it wasn't your idea. And he's like, well, whose idea was it? As in, I wanted to have sex. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think Polly has, Polly Bleeker has a very interesting character development. In fact, that um, his coming of age is almost as interesting as Juno's herself. In fact, actually, I think he has more <laughs> of a coming of age than Juno in the sense that he starts off as a kind of weak character, not weak in a bad sense, just weak in a sense of he he's a moral person he wants to be moral he, he but he doesn't know how to be right and and i think over time he develops that i think that's that's sort of his 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 moment of uh of leaving the track meet uh mm-hmm. and going and meeting juno in bed is his moment of realizing where he needs to be and what he needs to do and the fact that you know he loves this girl um as a part-time lover and a full-time friend that he's he's her friend first and her lover second but uh, the fact that he did this to her means that he needs to be with her at this moment and so he goes and he takes his responsibility at the end and i think that's why his father or her father uh jk simmons's character you know greets him at that moment not with a punch in the genitals as he initially threatened <laughs> but with a tap on the shoulder of you know and I like while we're on the topic of like that room and being giving birth and all of that, I like what J.K. Simmons says to her as well. You'll be here again on your terms. Mm-hmm. On one hand, was that not on her terms? But on the other hand, I totally I, I understand what he's saying. You know, he, he's saying there will be a time where you're here when you're ready. Her parents are really cool. And yeah. I, yeah, and I, I, I think uh, Bren is more her mother than anyone else. But her, mm-hmm. her, her parents are her are really cool in general, in the sense mm-hmm. that yes, they're disappointed because they're caught up as anyone in the sex shame culture. But uh, they're disappointed in Juno when she's pregnant. But after they process their disappointment, they're done. And they don't judge her after that. It's just kind of and 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 the, they they mention my irresponsible daughter, my irresponsible <laughs> stepdaughter, but but it's a joke to them. Yeah. It's, it's not serious. They're, they're joking when they say that. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Bren says it, my it, it it's a it, it's in a way of validating Juno. What what do you mean? Why why are you judging my stepdaughter? She says to the to the technician. Mm-hmm. This these these people we're giving the baby to could be you know twice as irresponsible as my irresponsible stepdaughter. <laughs> yeah. So stay in your freaking lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that scene too because it is very much a you know the the ultrasound tech makes a comment and and the mother's like uh no you're not judging her because <laughs> the ultrasound tech says something like oh thank God when she mentions something about adoption. Which is also a fly in the face of anyone who says that this is a conservative film. She calls Juno poisonous. She says it's a poisonous environment to raise a child in. Yeah. It's like, good Lord. I know of plenty of other poisonous environments that aren't teen parents. Thank you very much. (laughs) Many of whom on the face of it look like a 50s style nuclear family. Yeah. With a, you know, married career man and a, uh, a dutiful wife and and a child who is abused and neglected by them 
and I, that's why I love that that scene. Well, how do you know that the people we're giving these these yuppies that we're giving the baby to are going to be any better than than my irresponsible stepdaughter? How do you know? Well, and 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 to be fair to the ultrasound tech, it made me think about who they might see in a course of a day. Mm. You know, I'm sure they've got to see teen pregnancies. They've got to see situations that are not great. And so I can I can understand on one level we we expect a level of professionalism. We expect that you know this is just your patients that you're administering care for, and yet they're human. And I can understand becoming a little bit cynical and jaded, but it should never come out in the exam room. Well, and she shouldn't tell someone that they're poisonous. Juno is very self-aware for a girl of her age. Maybe I'm Mm -hmm. being judgmental when I say that because I've met some pretty self-aware teenagers, but Mm -hmm. she's very self-aware. There are ways in which she doesn't catch certain aspects of her relationship with Mark and her relationship with Bleaker, but she's self-aware enough to to be aware that she doesn't always know what she's doing and she says that quite outright in that the conversation where she tells her parents that she's pregnant for the first time and she and her father says i i thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when and she's i'm not sure what kind of girl i am and that's a very very self-aware thing to say juno knows enough to know that she is ill-equipped to be a mother she uses that term exactly i am ill-equipped but she judges herself righteously i think in in that way and the, the statement in scripture we should i think talk about what it means scriptural judgment both good and bad judge not that she be not judged condemn not that she be not condemned because i think if there's a biblical message to the film it is that um just that do, do not judge and you will not be judged well actually it doesn't say don't judge at all it says don't judge unrighteously but what is righteous mm-hmm. judgment and what it mm-hmm. says more accurately is you judge yourself first mm-hmm. and the standard that you use to judge other people is the standard that will be used by god to judge you mm-hmm. and so juno is very good at using that standard at you know not judging her friends and compatriots but of realizing I, it would be a poisonous environment if I tried to do it, not because I'm a poisonous person, because I'm ill-equipped. And so this baby needs to be with someone who is better going, prepared, yeah, more equipped. And But that doesn't give someone the right to judge her. And also at the end of the day, they're not judging her because she's pregnant. They're judging her because she had sex. And there's so much shame around mm-hmm. sex. Yeah, because I, I one of the things we talked about in kind of talking about the film was even for adult married couples for the longest time you did not even use the word pregnant i am with child i'm with child i'm in the family way teachers were not allowed to teach once they started showing and really any woman for that matter once you started showing you did not appear in public again Did you catch the argument between the couple and the science lab? Not Juno and Bleeker, but their lab partners. Mm-hmm. When the girl said, uh, I should go lay down. Yeah, you should go lay down. Get off the rack. Period. Shaming. It's not just pregnancy. And even the Bible does that too. It's the, I'm I'm in the way with women, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the law of you're not supposed to approach a woman who's in, in, in that way. It makes her unclean. It makes mm-hmm. him unclean if he comes in contact. And even today in a lot of cultures, they still have that practice of having that place where you're supposed to go if you're having your period and you know and and sometimes the conditions are such that women die there it's it's not a good thing um women if you don't have menstrual supplies you're kept out of school the fact that juno was even allowed to be in school is a very recent phenomenon in and of itself because that was considered a bad influence on other girls you would have been sent away not 50 years ago she would have been sent away yeah if she wouldn't have been forced to be sent away she would have been so shamed that she would have even with her self-awareness probably wouldn't have been able to show her face in public because she would have been so shamed. One of the arguments that she has with Leaker is that, you know, she's the one who has to deal with all the stares and the physical changes and all of that. I'm a planet. And he doesn't, you know, and that and that is one of the I don't know if I want to say injustices 
of gender in some ways that it's always the woman who bears that burden um which i know gets into you know some we're somehow conditioned that being pregnant shouldn't be considered a burden and god forbid that we talk about the challenges that come with carrying a pregnancy you know baby's a parasite yeah it is medically safer for you not to be pregnant than to be pregnant furthermore if we truly believed what we say we believed when we say we believe that we wouldn't attach so much shame to, to pregnancy and to, to sex but we do because at the end of the day well we don't like it when women have sex outside of men's control well and you know i talked about bringing in a little bit of marx and we've talked about this before mm. about this is a means of production and 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 part of that control is yeah. controlling women's ability to produce or reproduce now listener listener i want you to note something because this is very interesting um the the one who brought marx into the conversation is pastor michelle this time i know i've had clearly i've had an impact on her i'm kidding you're rubbing <laughs> off on me yeah well join the party anyway uh <laughs> no the uh uh yes yes and there are lots of ethical questions surrounding surrogacy and well not just well even when they were setting up the contract for surrogacy they ask do you want additional compensation and she says no i don't want to feel like i'm selling the baby and you know that the part of the marxist in me says well what would be wrong with that if you mm -hmm. if you were because it's your means of production yeah. you have control oh juno over the means of production over your means of reproduction where you should and i don't mean to shoot on you i mean to shoot on the fuckers who say you, you you don't and you are generating value for this couple or this woman this other mm -hmm. woman who wants a child and you deserve the as the bible says the worker is worthy worthy of his wages or the worker is worthy of her wages yeah and there's there's nothing unethical <laughs> in that in fact it's it's ethically required to compensate people who perform services for you yeah and yet you know we do there are trafficking situations that happen and and so again the difference is what's the choice yes and and the the coming down to choice in these situations yes juno makes so. choices and and that's what i love about the film is that she makes choices yes mm -hmm. she happens to make choices that a lot of conservatives cream themselves over but she makes choices and that's the emphasis of the film and one thing that i like too is that her dad is basically like i'm going with you to meet this couple not because he doesn't think that she can make that choice but because he recognizes that she knows she's not capable of fully understanding all ramifications as an adolescent's brain is not and so he's there to accompany her and walk with her to ensure that um this is equitable and just and she is honored <laughs> That gets into um, something interesting about um, Juno and herself. Now, I've said repeatedly that she's self-aware, but is she? Is she? I think she's self-aware enough to know that she's not always very self-aware. I mean, she says that herself. Like, I, I, I don't know what kind of girl I am. And that's very wise in a Socratic sense. What does Socrates say? That that the wisest person is the one who's able to say, I, I don't know shit. That's a very big paraphrase there. He says it differently. But uh, you know, Juno's wise in that sense. But the other thing about it is, is that Juno misses a number of things. Juno doesn't understand because she's not yet capable of understanding just how much she will come to love the child because there really is something to this biological connection between the mother and the child uh, the mother quote-unquote biologically speaking yeah right? and there that is a real thing with adoptions mm -hmm. adoption is trauma Yes, because you are severing that bond. Yes, and and that's what and and, and there's a very real wisdom in what um, Bren says in that moment when she says that's a really hard thing to do. I don't think you're you understand what what a hard thing that is to do is, and it really is. And and mm -hmm. I'm not a woman, and I don't play one on TV, um, but I do know from my perspective, when I was in the delivery room when Scarlett was born, the very first time I saw her was the very first time I ever knew love like that. Um, there was very much so a real change in me that I wasn't expecting. The, the thing is, is that to give up Scarlet for any reason, even the right reason, would be very hard even for me. So I can only imagine what it would be like for Ashley. Actually, I can't even imagine that. So so they, I think they do a good job of helping her through those things for which she can't quite understand. One of those things that she misses, and we've hinted at it, but I want to really dig into it, is that relationship 
she does not have a proper sense of boundaries no. around what's okay with the relationship between her and Mark right. and Vanessa. And, and her, her stepmom says, you know, you don't understand the dynamics of marriage. I think it would be okay enough if she had a relationship with Vanessa. Of course, she and Vanessa are just two different people uh, to, to do so. But the, the the thing is, is that Mark, it's because she and Mark are so similar that, that it is inappropriate. That mm-hmm. it's what makes their friendship an affair, really. Because mm-hmm. Mark is finding in Juno a callback to his childhood, a callback to his adolescence, which is where he mm-hmm. wants to be, which is where he never left. He 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 wants to be a rock star, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 Juno is that kind of you know adolescent nerd who just kind of lets him be that way. And she is still, you know, we've had this conversation around how much does she know herself or not. That is a piece of setting boundaries too. You know, if you're an adult who's fairly established and who you are. We could argue he's still got some development to do, frankly. But if you're an adult and you're very clear about who you are and you know your identity, boundaries are identity. Yes. It's about this is who I am. This is who you are. This is the role that we are engaging and these are the terms of the relationship. And that's why dual relationships get to be a problem because it's like, okay, what role am I playing here or not? Um, Am I losing my sense of who I am? Do I have enough of a sense of who I am that I'm not going to get torn apart and my heart broken? if something goes wrong because I think in some sense when he rightly says "Mm, this isn't right her heart gets broken a little bit well yes Uh, although I I do think that Juno I I believe Juno when she uh, expresses a sense of real unawareness of why this is a problem Mm -hmm. Uh, in the sense that I I don't think Juno needs anything from Mark or needs as much from Mark as Mark needs something from Juno in the sense that for for, for Juno Mark is a cool guy right who's just kind of you know, he, he's a, he likes to play guitar, and he, you know, I like to play guitar, and he likes slasher films. Oh, I like slasher films, right? You know, it's not, it's not that, and, and I think you see that in when 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 Mark reveals to Juno that he's going to leave Vanessa. And and Juno scandalized. He's like, no, 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 no. I, 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 you can't leave Vanessa. And and part of that is is because he's she's relying on him and Vanessa to take care of the baby. But the other part of that is is because she needs him to love Vanessa because that's her vision of what love is, is, is this, you know, loving couple and, and, mm-hmm. you know, their breaking apart means that, that, you know, her paradigm of what a happy family looks like is kind of breaking apart. But my point in saying all of that is, is that I don't think that Juno is having an affair with Mark so much as Mark is having an affair with Juno. Mm, yeah. And, and, and I think that Mark, I, I, I honestly see this. Um, if Juno had been cool with Mark leaving Vanessa, I think that that they would have had sex. I would agree. I would agree. And 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 the other the other red flag for me is when he's telling her instead of talking to his wife about it. Yes. I love I love Alexander Hamilton for this where he there's that song where he you know you're you're in trouble when you are not at your healthiest and you are not in the place where you are supposed to be. I don't know how to say no to this. Yeah, exactly. And to Juno's credit, she knows how to say no. Yeah. She knows that when it becomes apparent to Juno what's going on she runs mm-hmm. um, or if she fights a little bit she's like well you can't do this please do me a solid and stay with Vanessa but finally when it comes to it she, she's out I I read that whole situation as Mark is trying to proposition Juno yeah I think that's fair because I think Mark wants to wants to be a player oh uh, what do you think of the runners yeah I you know I'm still trying to make sense of them because as you say the father of her child is a runner you know they're they're kind of there as a time marker they're kind of a consistent thing throughout yeah I I don't know I don't know what to make of them I I just know that they're kind of this recurring I don't know if it's like a running gag or just a <laughs> kind of <laughs> you know I'm not sure what they are what we're referring to listener is that every um, few scenes you see the high school the local high school track team invariably dressed in red hoodies and gold gym shorts and mm-hmm. they're just running right they, they're yeah. just doing their their practice right running about and they're running in formation all of them and the soundtrack of the movie does a very good job of doing the of their running right and it really focuses in for just like this split second of the film on these runners and michelle and i were having this conversation uh when we we're watching the movie is like well, what what does that mean i, I there's got to be some symbolism there and as i was thinking about it i, I came up with, with this i'm not sure if it's right or not but um they represent the flow of the crowd right uh just just general it, judge for, for better and worse they're just the flow of the crowd right and we, we see this 
in the fact that by the end of the film, Bleeker is not a runner anymore because Bleeker is a runner throughout the course of the film. He's part of the track team. He goes out running every morning, right? It's interesting. I love this scene where uh, this freshman, clearly he's a freshman. He's, 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 the, the film obviously makes this kid just very, very young, comes up to Bleeker. He's like, hey, you got Juno knocked up, man. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, Bleeker's not like a dude bro about it. He's kind of awkward about it. But uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to stop wearing underwear and raise my sperm count, says this freshman <laughs> kid. It's like... But but no 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 that's that's sort of this 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 stupidity of the crowd just kind of just you know being stupid right just kind of running along and and Bleeker kind of runs along too right throughout the course of the movie he he sort of wants to claim his own sense of authority but he doesn't know how to but by the end of the film and it's at a track meet when he does this right he starts running he he wins the track meet breaks the record and then realize oh shit i need to be somewhere else he just kind of figures it out in the same way that vanessa figures out the message was for her and he runs off and he goes to juno and the next scene when we see the runners they're running by while juno and uh bleaker are playing a song together and and bleaker's not a runner anymore so it seems to me that that the symbolism there is it's sort of bleaker's coming of age of where he used to kind of flow along with the crowd and then now he's done flowing along the crowd and he kind of has found himself it, it, and the thing i like about the runners is that visually they do very much stand out right because the red and they're coloring. very uniform too mm-hmm. the real uniformity to how they run together well and the film is i think about defying uniformity and it's sort of an existentialist film in that respect um, which is part of the reason why I don't think we're supposed to judge Mark too harshly because Mark is is going out and seeking his own existential fulfillment. But it's an existentialist film in that it's about sort of breaking out of the crowd and you know, seizing one's own self-identity, and which is, I think, what Bleeker does at the end of the film. And in, in that sense, it's almost a, more a film about Bleeker's journey than it is about Juno's journey. Because in fact, I think Bleeker has more of a journey than Juno does. Juno doesn't really change that much personality-wise. Whereas I think Bleeker becomes very different than what he was when the movie started. So this film blows the Bechdel test out of the water. Oh, definitely. Again, for the viewer or listener, the Bechdel test is two named women who talk about something other than men. And that happens like I, by about 10 minutes in the film, I think I, I mentioned to Michelle, I think I've noticed three times at least when, when that's happened. Yeah. So, and you even mentioned the female gaze. Juno is allowed to be physically attracted to the runners mm-hmm. and notice uh, their pork swords, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because that's not something that happens. And again, that she initiates. Mm-hmm. That's kind of something else that in culture we don't talk about, <laughs> you know. A, a woman who wants sex. <gasps> and how was it humping Bleaker's bony bod? Magnificent. I kind of celebrate the fact that for her, it, yes, I would have liked her to use protection if she wasn't ready to carry a child. But overall, the fact that she enjoys the experience, I don't begrudge that. What if we divorced the shame from it? Yeah. Just entirely. The whole experience. Like, I, I noticed one of the interesting scenes is that she's pregnant and she's walking through the hallway and everybody's avoiding her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what What if we treated teenage pregnancy? Oh, oh, by the way, teenage pregnancy rates are down a lot and have been for quite some time. Teenage pregnancy, to what extent is it a problem? I'm not sure we call it a problem. But if it, if is, if it is a problem, it's not as much quantitatively a problem as it once was. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as common as it once was. But all right. Uh, what if we just decided collectively that this isn't going to be a problem. We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to make ways for her to, for, for whoever gets pregnant, to either have the support she needs to raise the child, give the child up for adoption, or have an abortion. And at the end, what if we did it that way? And we didn't shame her. What if there was no shame attached to it? All right, you had sex. So what? People yeah. do that. Because the thing is, the movie kind of points out the damned if she does, damned if she doesn't, you know, because she either gets an abortion and she's shamed for that, or she is shamed for deciding to carry the child. You know, I mean, it's like no matter what choice she makes. And the utter hypocrisy of it all, because all the people who are judging her are also sexually active. (laughs) Yeah. Which she's like, what does that even mean? Which brings up an interesting character. What do we think of Leah? Leah is her friend. Is Mm -hmm. that right? I mean, I am grateful 
grateful for the fact that if I remember correctly, she's the first one that she tells mm-hmm. um, and she's there in the delivery room. You know, she's she's helping hold her hand and that kind of thing, which, by the way, we talked about the delivery room, you know, that veil between life and the life beyond thins and it becomes sacred space in some ways. And, and there's also a cross there. There's, it's a kind of Golgotha in the sense that mm-hmm. there is a great deal of suffering to bring mm-hmm. new life into the world. Well, and I'm trying to remember, you know, so often in movies when they're doing birth, they show all the screams and you hear all of them. I was trying to remember if it actually did that here or if they covered that more with music. They did. I was I was trying to remember. Yeah. And so that's interesting. There's a book by, well, I want to say they're Nazarene pastors, uh, some guy by the name Green that's called Recovering the Scandal of the Cross. Hmm. And the argument of the book is, is that Christians place a tremendous amount of um, energy in describing the um, pain that Jesus felt on the cross. As in, you know, like you watch the Passion of the Christ and, you know, the whole point is, oh my God, how painful and suffering and bloody this is. And it was. I mean, crucifixion is a horrible way to die. But what we're missing there is the shame of the cross. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's the atoning bit right there. It's not as much the pain of the cross as it is the shame of the cross. Cursed be he who's hung on a tree, as the Torah says. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that they would have been marched basically naked through the town, hung out there on the hill for everybody to see and that we worship someone who is essentially a convicted criminal given birth by an unwed mother um Mm -hmm. all of this is shameful and it is in the shame of it all that we realize our salvation and and of course the film is about shame Mm -hmm. it's about juno's shame and coming to terms with that and the redemption of that shame into the giving of life to someone who wants desperately to be a mother the 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 gift that comes out of the new life that comes out of the pain and the suffering and the shame yeah it's a very christ-like film yeah it really is So if you were writing a sermon on this film, what would the takeaway be for the congregation? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I would definitely talk about the non-judgment piece. I might it might be an Advent story uh, sermon. It's about Juno as Mary. I'd probably go that direction. Um, And just talking about, you know, how do we how do we love even in circumstances where no one's right or no one's wrong, Mm. where things just are live in the suck as you uh often are so fond of saying you mentioned advent and the idea of well of seasons and the Mm -hmm. film plays with seasons starts in autumn and works its way through and it's sort of the it kind of plays with this idea of cyclical time and well the entire idea of pregnancy is is a nine-month cycle sort of a a let it be i mean well you know that's how we deal with seasons right and so you can't control them they are what they are let it be uh, as the Beatles song says, which isn't based on Mary's yes, but corresponds well to Mary's yes. But also this idea of Mary, um, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I know we're kind of winding down, but just curiosities came to my mind. Um, if Juno accords well with the Blessed Virgin, then what do we do with the idea that, well, she's clearly not a virgin? And what do we do with the idea of virginity? I say we toss it out the door. Well, I think we uh, we definitely need to drastically redefine it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing. It truly is a social construct. I mean, you cannot tell just offhand. You know, a woman can have sex and still have a hymen intact or have other things happen and not vice versa. Had- yeah, I was gonna say she can Sorry. think things can and 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 the thing is that that myth of the hymen is all like so here's the thing the hymen is not a membrane that like stretches over everything and is like torn through in intercourse it's more like it surrounds the cervix and that kind of thing and and so there's really not a way I mean if if things are rough you're gonna be able to tell. But there's not really a way that you can do a virginity exam. And it's bullshit anyway, because you're only applying the standard to females and not to men. You know, let's, uh, how, how can we tell that men have had sex or not? That, that's why there's some, a certain liberation in what Juno says to, um, to, to Bleaker, I have your virginity. Mm-hmm. And it also forces us to define, the way she says it, forces us to define virginity, <clears throat> I think, in a healthier way, in the sense mm-hmm. that virginity is simply someone who 
has never had a particular kind of experience, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, speaking of Juno as corresponding to the Blessed Virgin, well, um, and I call, note, I call her the Blessed Virgin. The, the point of the miracle of Mary's virginity is not some sort of mystical purity associated with the fact that she hadn't had sex before giving birth to Jesus. The miracle of, of that is that she gave birth to Jesus without ever having had sex, which that's just not how things happen. In other words, it's a miraculous birth giving. There are certain people in my church who are about to kill me. Um, <laughs> Matthew, the 28th verse of the first chapter suggests, I think it's verse 28, uh, who cares, uh, that Joseph and Mary had normal marital relations after Jesus was born. And why the hell not? To quote my favorite line from Dogma, that's just plain gullibility. Yeah, there's a difference between, I mean, having faith that Mary gave birth in, as a virgin is an act of faith. Believing that Mary and Joseph never got jiggy with it is just plain gullible. No, but, yeah. but, but nevertheless, we, you know, I, in my tradition, we refer to Mary as the Blessed Virgin and, and, mm -hmm. and believe in her perpetual virginity. But I think mm -hmm. in order to say that, I believe that that means we redefine virginity. Because to me, um, virginity in the, the way that we define Mary as Blessed Virgin has nothing to do with sex. And in that sense, I think Juno is virginal in, in that way, in the, sen in, in the sense that she um, says yes to a difficult situation and brings life to someone who needs it or to want, who wants life. Right. And that 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 is a virginal action. It's a Christian action to be virginal is to be Christian, to maintain oneself as being of the world or as being in the world, not being of the world. Right. Uh, that's what that's what it means to be a virgin. Right. It has nothing to, in the in the, in the sense that we moralize in, uh, over it. It has nothing to do with whether or not you've had sex. Because there's nothing there's nothing shameful or wrong or immoral about having sex. It's just a biological function of human beings. And it's also more than that. It's beautiful and wonderful and glorious and joyful to share that with your lover. There's no sin in that. That's that's horrid that we would that we would throw shame on that. Of all the things to throw shame on. And you know, it's interesting. Even as as I've been raising Scarlet, it's um, I had this 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 thought about uh, I was I was wanting to listen to some comedy music uh, in her presence while she helped me with the chores today, and I. I was um, listening to some, uh, I had to choose between listening to a, um, a song that was very, very graphic in a sexual sense and a song by Tom Lair, whom I've shared with you. And I thought to myself, oh, it's okay. Tom Lair just does nuclear war stuff. <laughs> it's like sex is bad, but nuclear war is okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the critique, isn't it? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, we, we will do everything we can to not talk about sex, but, you know, war, violence, we're okay with talking about that. So what's next? I have no idea. Do you know? Nope. Yeah. No, I, uh, uh, listener, our, uh, uh, our musician Gail is going to choose the next movie and uh, uh, she is spending some time prayerfully meditating on, on what she's going to choose, which is fine. There's no shame in that at all. Uh, uh, but uh, it does mean we don't know what's going to be next. So we will live into the uncertainty. Into the unknown. Ooh, ooh, maybe we should do, maybe you should do Frozen too, Gail. But no, uh, uh, also the, the other thing thing is is this uh is recorded about a month or two before you actually hear it so gail has plenty of time so anyway well listeners i will say thank you to all of you who have joined us today on a pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater we are a production of new faith new media where we seek to live together in theology nerdery and community and explore meaning in various ways we are so thankful for editor wesley who helps make us sound a lot more coherent so that it benefits you and we are thankful for Gail, who does our music. And most of all, listener, we are thankful for you for the ways that you engage in our podcast. Um, we could really use your feedback through our website, newfaithnewmedia.net on the forum there or through our, our socials. And if you have a little bit of financial resources, we could use those because that helps us to bring this content to you and if you are able to give, we have a few ways to do that through either becoming a patron on patreon.com slash NFNM or through buy me a coffee. And most of all, just sharing our content as best you can. So we are thankful for all of you and we will see you the next time a pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater. Okay, Pastor Michelle. 
someone's going to find a wonderful blessing from Jesus out of this trash dump of a situation.